0: The following program is recorded content created by the truth network the following is a pre-recorded program
1: yes friends jezebel is still at war with america jezebel is still at war with you
0: it's time for the line of fire with your host biblical scholar and cultural commentator dr michael brown your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity call 866-34-TRUTH to get on the line of fire And now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Brown.
1: Hey friends, this is Michael Brown, and this is a travel day for me, returning from Poland. Uh, God in tomorrow give you the full update on the trip, uh, and and, and I I believe you'll be blessed to hear the good things that the Lord has done. We did something last Wednesday. We took you into a message that I preached in Pensacola, Florida, September of this year, September 2022, uh, called, Who Changed Things? Three years earlier, in that same Pensacola Convention Center with thousands of people present, I preached a message called Jezebel's War with America that tied in with the book I had just written, had just been published, called Jezebel's War with America. Many of you read that book and were impacted by that book. This is the message that I preached on that theme. I believe it'll stir you. I, I believe it will bear witness to your own heart and life. When we speak of Jezebel, I don't mean that ancient Queen Jezebel, who lived 3,000 years ago, is alive today. I don't mean that. I mean the same demonic spirits and powers that operated through Jezebel 3,000 years ago are operating in prominent ways again in America. I'm talking about an emasculating attack. I'm talking about a demonic attack. I'm talking about something that that seeks to undermine our authority and, and undermine our calling, and, and something that emasculates men and that paralyzes women, real demonic forces. And you say, well, the devil's always at work. That's true. But there are times when he is at work in characteristic ways. There are times when the assault comes in very definite ways. And to the extent we see that and understand that, we are forewarned. And being forewarned means being for equipped. Now you may be driving in your car and you get a little snippet of this message. If you just go to our our YouTube channel afterwards, ask Dr. Brown, Ask DR Brown on YouTube, you can actually watch the whole message because we'll actually have the clips from the message here and there. I'll be referencing graphics. So if you're listening on podcasts, you won't see the graphics, but hopefully your imagination will be able to see them and fill in those blanks. Okay. Without further ado, We take you into this message, Jezebel's War with America. Let's pray. Abba, Father, we look to you as your children in love with you. Give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying. Touch us so we can go and touch a lost and dying generation. And may we see the powers of darkness fall as the light of your gospel comes forth. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 29. Ahab, son of Omri, became king over Israel in the 38th year of Judah's king Asa. Ahab, son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. But Ahab, son of Omri, did what was evil in the Lord's sight, more than all that were before him. Then, as if following the sin of Jeroboam, sin of Nebat were not enough, so he was the first king over divided Israel in the north and put up these idol temples. As if that wasn't enough, he married Jezebel, the daughter of Etbaal, king of the Sidonians, and then proceeded to serve Baal and bow and worship to him. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he had built in Samaria. Ahab also made an Asherah pole. Ahab did more to anger the Lord God of Israel than all the kings of Israel who were before him. And note this statement in 1 Kings chapter 21. 1 Kings chapter 21, speaking about him in verse 25. There was no one like Ahab who devoted himself to do what was evil in the Lord's sight because his wife, Jezebel, incited him. Please hear me today. I'm not talking about a person. Do not go around calling people Jezebel. You're Jezebel, you're Jezebel. You know how many people's lives have been destroyed with that? You You know how many godly, anointed women have been told by insecure leaders that they are Jezebel? I'm not talking about a person. And I am not blaming everything on a quote, Jezebel spirit, but hear me, we look at how this woman did so much evil in the Bible. We know that she was a devoted idol worshiper. We know that she incited her husband to do more evil. We know in 2 Kings 9, she is associated with sexual immorality. In fact, she presents herself as a seductress there. And she's also associated with sorcery and witchcraft. We know that she killed the prophets, that she silenced the prophets, that they were cowering in fear in caves, and and that even the mighty Elijah... Almost a superhuman figure in the Bible that that James has to remind us was just a man like us. After calling down fire from heaven in 1 Kings 18, and 1 Kings 19, he runs from Jezebel in fear. At that moment, he was weak. There was something about this woman which was beyond the norm. And as the pagan princess of the king of Israel, you better believe Satan was working through her. In the New Testament, in Revelation 2, Jesus mentions a woman who calls herself a prophetess, so false religion again, and he calls her Jezebel. Was that actually her name? And by the way, if Jesus calls somebody Jezebel, they are Jezebel. Was that her name or is that what he was calling her because of who she was? And what does she do? She teaches God's servants. To eat food sacrificed to idols, and she leads them into sexual immorality. That same demonic spirit again. So what I'm saying is simply this. The same demonic powers that worked through Queen Jezebel 3,000 years ago that worked through this false prophetess 2,000 years ago. These same demonic spirits are at work today in a concerted effort to bring down and destroy America. There is a war, and Jezebel is at war with us. I want to share some shocking things with you on a national level, eye-opening things. This fell into place for me last year. Everything fell one after another. The the dots got connected. And I realized, okay, Satan is at work to destroy. He has many different methods. But you can see sometimes when he's working in a concerted, specific way, if you travel around the world, you see Satan tactics in one country is different than another. Certain things are always the same. But certain strongholds here are different than strongholds there. So I want to talk to you on a national level, but then I want to talk to you on a personal level. And at the end of this message, which I do not preach lightly, at the end of this message, we're going to have a call for people to be set free from demonic power and set free from a spirit of fear. I came out during the worship and there was Roy leading us, I'm no longer a slave to fear. And I said, we're in sync. We're in sync. I would normally put some quotes up on PowerPoint. But because of the screens, we had some issues. So I've got my book here, dog-eared with some quotes. Jezebel takes issue with the prophets, with the prophetic voice. She's the arch enemy of the prophets. She's the arch enemy of true worship. She's the arch enemy of repentance. If she can't kill you, she will put you on the run as you cower in fear. If she can't exterminate you, she will intimidate, intimidate you into its silence. If she can't annihilate you, she'll emasculate you. When it comes to Jezebel today in America, there's a radical feminist website called jezebel.com. How interesting. And there's a collection of stories from the website in a book called The Book of Jezebel, an illustrated encyclopedia of lady things. Here's how children are defined in The Book of Jezebel. Children are the side effect of sex. A zygote is too young to be a slut, so way more entitled to civil rights than you are. The Jezebel entry for misogyny, so women hating, is exemplified by God, Aristotle, Phyllis Schlafly, conservative Christian activist, Rush Limbaugh, the Republican Party, Alan West. And here's the entry on God in the book of Jezebel. His book overflows with misogynist messages, and then it goes on from there, attacking things that would be sacred to us. I'm not even going to read some of it. When you look at the symptoms of Jezebel at work in America, I said she's associated with idolatry. And we have more distractions than any other culture in history. We have more things that get our attention, get our energy, get our love, get our focus, get our desire. No, we may not be bowing down to wood statues and iron statues, but we bow down to every other thing and it takes us out of the secret place. Our energies are pulled in a thousand different directions and it's so hard for us just to focus on God and be with God. And then so many in the society turning away from the worship of the Creator and worshiping created things. Spirit of idolatry. Then Jezebel is associated with sexual immorality. When King Jehu comes to confront her, now killing the the house of Ahab, wiping them out, she's an older woman now. But what does it say? She paints her face. And then Jehu calls out her sexual immorality. And Jezebel in the New Testament associated with sexual immorality. Well, we've always had sexual immorality. Every generation has struggled with it all around the world. It's a common vice. I understand that. But we have never had the epidemic of porn like we have it now. Listen, when I was a heroin-shooting LSD using long-haired hippie rock drummer, 16 years old in 1971, I didn't know how to find the stuff that an eight-year-old could find on a cell phone today. I didn't know it existed. Porn sites receive more regular traffic than Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined each month. 35% of all internet downloads are porn-related. People who admit to having extramarital affairs were over 300% more likely to admit consuming porn than those who had never had an affair. And on and on it goes. It's becoming an increasingly common factor in divorce. All right, friends, we've got a quick break and then we'll go back into the message. Hey, have you checked out our wonderfully revamped website? I mean, it is it's not even night and day. It's like a whole different world. The way things are laid out, the access to find what you're looking for, the resources at the tip of your fingers. And when you start to dig in, you're like, whoa, there's a lot here. There's a whole lot here. And it's there for you. There's a ton of content that's absolutely free. And then for our monthly supporters, there's additional content that you can get as well and thousands of hours of resources waiting for you to infuse you with faith and truth and courage so you can stand strong on the front lines. All right, we'll be right back.
0: It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on The Line of Fire by calling 866-34TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks for joining us, friends. This is Michael Brown, delighted to be with you. We take you back into the message preached
1: September of 2019 in Pensacola, Florida, titled Jezebel's War with America. And think of this, think of this. When men in particular get enslaved by by porn, something in them dies. Your confidence before God is compromised. Your ability to lead is compromised. The way you look at the opposite sex is compromised. The way you see yourself is compromised. You're either gonna live in denial or live under condemnation or just live bound. But but it's not just something that defiles us, it's something that robs us of dignity and robs us of power. And women who are enslaved by, it, it's the same thing. Hear me, please. I don't care what release someone gets, what pleasure what gets, this will kill you. There's nothing good about it. There's no reward about it. There's nothing positive about it. That's not to condemn those that struggle, but it's to remind you behind that smiling face, there are fangs. And those fangs want to kill the smiling face, too. Then, with idolatry in the ancient world, what did you always have? Baby killing. Sacrificing babies to idols. here's, Here's a description from the ancient world, about 150 years before the time of Jesus. There stands in their midst, in the city of Carthage, a bronze statue of Kronos, its hands extended over a bronze brassiere, the flames of which engulf the child. When the flames fall upon the body, this is how they'd sacrifice babies to idols. When the flames fall upon the body, the limbs contract, and the open mouth seems almost to be laughing until the contracted body slips quietly into the Brazier. This is, thus it is that the grin is known as sardonic laughter since they die laughing. Horrible practice of baby sacrifice goes hand in hand with idolatry. And today, friends, we have the shout your abortion movement. Today we have the defense of late term abortion and partial birth abortion and even the defense of infanticide. But we're not talking about a 12-year-old girl who gets raped by her uncle and she finds out she's pregnant and what's she going to do, have an abortion, she's struggling, she's in agony. You reach out with compassion, you try to help, even if she makes the wrong decision, you don't don't condemn her, you you try to help her and and, and prepare for real life and help her get over the wounds and trauma and, and recognize what was in her womb. No, we're we're talking about the shout your abortion militant spirit that during the Justice Kavanaugh hearings, these women were pounding on the Supreme Court doors and screaming for the quote, right to abort. I told you what ancient baby sacrifice looked like. How about this? Here's a description. This is the reality of late-term abortion. An abortionist sweating with the effort of crushing a nearly full-term baby's skull and tearing his body to pieces before dropping those pieces on a tray so that a nurse can piece them back together to make sure nothing got left behind. And then the doctors can place their fresh kill in a coffin so that the little boy's shattered corpse can be given the respect he was denied in life. This nurse testifying before Congress in 96 about what she saw with partial birth abortion. The doctor delivered the baby's body and the arms, everything but the head. The doctor kept the baby's head just inside the uterus. The baby's little fingers were clasping and unclasping, and his feet were kicking. Then the doctor stuck the scissors through the back of his head, and the baby's arms jerked out in a flinch, a startled reaction like a baby does when he thinks that he might fall. The doctor opened up the scissors, stuck a high-powered suction tube into the opening, and sucked the baby's brains out. Now the baby was completely limp. Listen, friends, I don't belong to either political party, and I don't believe that the solution for America's problems is found in a political party and there's no savior except Jesus, and no hope outside of the gospel. I will vote for candidates that I believe will do the right thing, but I understand they're flawed and the system is flawed. But I just want you to know that there are candidates running for president that would love to be president that fully support what I just read here. God help us. God help us. I'm telling you, this is Jezebel. Same demonic powers, same demonic spirit. And what about the rise of radical feminism? I'm not talking about a healthy feminism, if you call it that, that esteems and honors women. I'm I'm not talking about a healthy feminism that says equal pay for a woman doing equal work. No, I'm talking about a man despising, man emasculating feminism. It has risen up and it has come to the forefront. It has jumped to the forefront in recent days. Here are some of the values of radical feminists. Today, a critique of motherhood, marriage, the nuclear family, and sexuality, questioning how much of our culture is based on patriarchal assumptions. A critique of other institutions, including government and religion, as centered historically in patriarchal power. Here's some quotes from famous feminists. I feel that man-hating is an honorable and viable political act. Another one, the nuclear family must be destroyed. Another, marriage is an institution developed from rape as a practice. And with the rise of radical feminism, you have the emasculating of men. For a man today to want to be a godly leader and the godly head of his home and a good father, that's called toxic masculinity. I'm not talking about some machismo. I'll look at how tough I am. I'm a man because I beat people up. And that's got nothing to do with manhood. I'm a man because I have no emotions. That's got nothing to do with manhood. Real men serve. Real men love. Real men get low. Real men can cry. But when you call men to be men today, oh no, that, that's dangerous. That's the patriarchy that must be resisted. You see how these dots have been connecting, it's like, whoa, it's not just all different things, it's it's one demonic concerted assault that links together. So just think, I'm 64, some of you remember back some years and maybe you've, you've seen these things even though you're younger, remember Father Knows Best? Remember when the Father was wise, kind, full of wisdom, for years now, the father on TV is a complete jerk. 2005, John Tierney wrote in the New York Times, we spend twice as much time with our kids as we did two decades ago, but on television, we're oblivious, Jimmy Neutron, troubled, The Sopranos, deranged, Malcolm in the Middle. I've never seen any of these, but I take his word for it. And generally incompetent. Everybody loves Raymond. Raymond. I mean, we've basically gone from the wise father of, of Andy Griffith's show, Leave it to Beaver, to Homer Simpson, and that, look, that's the image people grow up with day and night. It's an attack on godly authority, and, and then when men aren't the way they're supposed to be, women can't be the way they're supposed to be. And, and, and then this, in turn, This in turn ties in with the war on gender, trying to turn men into women and women into men. You know, back in 2004, God called me to begin to address gay and lesbian issues. And then as he called me to address the issues prophetically to to push back against that tide, he broke my heart for the people. He said to me, reach out and resist, reach out to the people with compassion, resist the agenda with courage. And people said to me, "Mike, why are you getting on that topic? Who cares about that? Why, you know, you're, it's such a diversion from your calling. Why are you dealing with that?" And I tell people, "I feel like an umbrella salesman in the desert. Why are you? Why all those umbrellas, man? Well, your warehouse is full of umbrellas because I know a storm's coming and you're going to need the umbrella." I mean, who knew? Who knew? that that we'd be in a society today where if you have a problem with Bruce Jenner being woman of the year, something's wrong with you. How'd that happen? Oh, I have compassion on people who struggle. Maybe you're right here and you struggle and you say, you don't understand. I'm sure I don't understand, but I'm telling you, God's best way is to make you whole from the inside out. Who knew we'd be in a society where, this is real life now, a father in Canada, his daughter, 14 years old, is convinced she's male, she wants to begin to get hormone treatments and things. He opposed it, and the government said, you have no right to, that's your daughter in your house, you have no right to, but not only so, if you refer to your daughter by her female name in the privacy of your home, if you refer to her as she or her, you will be arrested and jailed on the spot. This is real life, friends. How'd this happen? Jezebel also associated with sorcery and witchcraft. Here, check out these headlines. October 2018, the US witch population has seen an astronomical rise. Surveys find witchcraft is on the rise across America. Number of witches rises dramatically across US as millennials reject Christianity. How about this one? Witches outnumber Presbyterians among US millennials. Is it a coincidence that you have the Rise of radical feminism, the rise of witchcraft, the shout your abortion movement, the porn epidemic. Is it a coincidence that it's all exploding at once? No. Satanism, headlines. 2017, what's behind the seemingly unrelenting rise of Satanism? 2016, rise of Satanism, another sign of America's fall from God. And on and on, headline after headline, example after example, all cited in the book. All right, we've got to take another quick break here, and we'll be right back on the other side of the break. Remember to sign up for our emails, ask Dr. Brown, ASKDRBrown.org. Sign up for our emails. Be sure to know what's happening. If I'm speaking in your area, we've got a new resource available.
0: Be the first to know. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on The Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on The Line of Fire. Michael Brown, delighted to be with you. Let's go right back to the
1: September 2019 message, Jezebel's War with America. Because I've written a lot of books, I'll often check on on Amazon, which is the, the biggest online bookseller, I'll just check to see how certain books are doing or what responses are. It's not for the praise of man. It's just to see, are they making an impact? What are readers having to say? Just trying to evaluate. So I went on the other day and I saw a category. It was the most read books of the week. Not the most sold, but the most read. I don't know how they compute it, but the most read books of the week. Seven out of 10 the day I went online were Harry Potter books. Now, you might say it's kind of innocent and they are good moral lines, but listen, those kids are not going to grow up loving Jesus, they're going to grow up loving Harry Potter and loving sorcery and trying to experiment with incantations. Look, there's a generation looking for the supernatural, and if they don't encounter the real supernatural in the church, they'll find it in the world. I'm not talking about putting on some show or some silly demonstration. I'm talking about when people encounter God and they're changed. They can't even explain what happened to them. They don't find it there, they're gonna look somewhere else. And, and then the silencing of the prophetic voice. Listen friends, I've been overseas many, many times, worked with dear friends in India, I've literally washed the feet of martyrs widows there I was talking to one missions leader working in a difficult part of Africa, and I was talking to you about one of our own spiritual sons who grabbed from our school, working in the Muslim world, who was killed by Al-Qaeda terrorists years ago, serving in a poor community, teaching English, loving people, serving in a poor community. And when I told her, she said, oh yeah, we've had lots of ours killed by Muslims, just casually, casually. Muslim terrorists, Muslim extremists, People for whom Jesus also died, by the way, and for whose salvation we pray. But but it's an ongoing source of grief and embarrassment to me that when believers around the world are being tortured to death for their faith and they won't back down, their families burned alive for their faith and they won't back down, buried alive and they won't back down, they know what's coming but they won't deny Jesus, having their heads chopped off and they won't back down, that we back down because someone's gonna unfriend us on Facebook. What kind of nonsense is that? We back down because maybe we won't get the promotion on our job, or we won't get the recommendation for the scholarship. God help us. Where's our courage? Where's our integrity? Oh, there's a, by all means, a time for wisdom. And by all means, we should bleed love. If people cut you, you bleed love. By all means. And being prophetic does not mean being mean, or nasty, or ugly, or aggressive. It means speaking God's truth, God's way by spirit. Friends, there's a spirit of cowardice. We have been spiritually emasculated. And I'm saying that across the board, male, female, there's been a taking away of a spiritual authority and a spiritual courage. You now it used to be, when you'd have a well-known preacher on television, like Billy Graham on TV, he'd be full of love, he'd be gracious, he'd be saying anything positive he could, but you expected him to preach the gospel. I remember when Nancy and I were first married, got married in 76, we were first married and we saw Billy Graham was gonna be on the Johnny Carson show. So he was the king of late night TV back then, for those that aren't aware. So we decided we're gonna watch Billy Graham that night. And Johnny Carson says, you know, Reverend Graham, I'm ashamed to say, I don't even remember, I can't even quote all the Ten Commandments, and Billy Graham looked at him and says, but you've broken them all. That's what you expect. And listen, I love Christian leaders that can smile and be gracious and show love. But today it's hard to tell the difference between a preacher and a motivational speaker. I don't know if I'm watching someone telling you how to get rich with a real estate scam or someone supposed to, be, supposed to be preaching the gospel. God help us. Where's the prophetic voice? Again, I'm not talking about mean-spirited doom and gloom, but where are people who warn with tears? Where are people who look and say, man, my heart breaks for you, but you're lost. You need Jesus. I've listened to some people, and when they're done with their explanation of a difficult cultural issue, you know, where do you stand on homosexuality or abortion? I have no idea where they stand. I mean, we do a better job than the politician who doesn't want to commit either way. That's not what preachers are supposed to be doing. That's not what leaders are supposed to be doing. And hear me, every one of you, you have a platform. If it's on social media, if it's in your neighborhood, if it's in your home, what example are you setting? Are you bowing down to the gods of this age are you bowing down to the one true God? You have to understand something. I'm not preaching this message lightly, and I did not write Jezebel's war with America lightly, because several different times over the course of my life, I have encountered what you would call this Jezebelic spirit, be it a principality, be it a demon. It's not to say there's just one, but I'm saying the same characteristic. When God first released me many years ago, to bring a prophetic wake-up call to the nation. By prophetic, I mean God calling us to wake up and to repent and to turn. No sooner did that happen than the worst spiritual attack of my life got launched against me and against my wife. Never experienced anything like it. It was miserable and it went on for months until it was finally broken through prayer and fasting and with the help of a prophetic word. I started preaching when I was 18. I loved to preach. I mean, it didn't matter what the setting was, you just hand me the mic, you want to preach, man, I do it. To this day, sometimes, maybe I've been on the radio for hours and I've I've ministered somewhere and and I'm sitting at my computer and it's 9 in the evening, it's like, I want to talk to people. I'll just start doing a live stream. Anybody have questions? I just, I love to minister, I love to share. Sometimes I'm I'm on my way to the office to do radio, I'm so excited, I've been doing this daily for 11 years, I can't wait to get there and talk to people. But. When I was under that Jezebelic attack, again, I'm not talking about a person, I'm talking about demonic. Man, I felt paralyzed. I didn't wanna get on a plane to preach. It took me hours of prayer, just hours of prayer, just to get to a place where I started to feel normal. It was tormenting. And both of us, Nancy and me, getting hit with all these lies. This is gonna to happen to you, that's gonna to happen to you. And it was only when we compared notes afterwards that we realized what was fully happening. Some years after that, I was in India. And I've been there now 26 years. And, and I was there and we were going into one particular city. And the brother said to me that we were working with, he said, in this city, there's a goddess who is worshiped by all the people in our state, 60 million people. She is the chief goddess of the state. And we're gonna to go to that city and hold meetings. And as we were praying months in advance, I got overwhelmed with the burden. And I thought, Elijah and the false prophets we are supposed to have a public confrontation in this city. And trust me, I don't do things just to be silly. I fear God, I honor God. I don't want to bring reproach to his name. Plus, I understand demonic power is real, and I'm not some tough, macho guy. I'm a weak nobody outside of Jesus. I'm not out, oh, yeah, devil, let's see how big you are. No, no, no. I'm going to hide in Jesus and let Jesus look him down. No fear there. No fear there. But I felt clearly we were to do this. We were there for almost a month, and, and one week before getting there, I got hit with all the same symptoms. I felt like my knees cut out for me. I felt like I had no authority. I felt completely weak. I felt like an absolute spiritual wimp. And I thought, Jezebel. So I asked my friend, I said, brother, can you tell me what this goddess's statue looks like? He said, oh, and I got a link to to a picture in in the book. He said, oh, she's this beautiful, powerful woman. And you know, one, she's got multiple hands and arms. And in one of the hands, she's, she's holding the head of the giant that she killed. Does that sound like Jezebel or what? The actual picture I saw, there's the king of demons and she's, she's piercing him with a, with a sword or with a lance, a spear. And he said, brother, something else really unusual. He said, once a month, excuse me, once a year, her male worshipers for one month dress as women and wear makeup. I thought, Jezebel, are you kidding me? War on gender, turning men into women, women into men. Wow. And we got there in the opening night. I said, I want all the worshipers of Kanaka Durga, that's her name, I want all the worshipers of Kanaka Durga, all the priests, all the devotees, I want you to be out here tomorrow night. And we're going to ask the question who's the real God, Yahweh or Kanaka Durga? and we had a very powerful, intense, God-glorifying, shaking meeting, and other things happened. It, it became very clear that there's one true God. Not, not the God is worshiped on top of this mountain, but the God who created the mountain and the earth in which this is found and the universe in which the earth is found. It was so real though. It was so intense. I thought, same thing. And then something else happened. And, and I realized there was this hook in me and I didn't know where it came from, this fear that would come on. You gotta understand, I'm, I'm like anybody else, you know. maybe some standing on top of a tall building, off, you know, I don't wanna to get too close to a ledge there, or some massive roller coaster, oh, I'm a little afraid of that. But when it comes to ministry fear, it doesn't exist in my life. You have to understand that. I mean, I, I've preached in settings where I knew going out to preach could be life-threatening and all I wanna do is preach. I've done college campus events, and that we can only do them if we have police protection because there are protests about the event and all that. And I go walk out into the waiting crowd, like, hey, so glad you're here. And I don't even, I think the police protection is unneeded. But what I'm saying is, when you know, people say to me, wow, it took a lot of courage to deliver that message, it didn't feel like courage because God said do it. So, so I, don't, I don't relate to fear when it comes to ministry, but I'm telling you, and when it comes to travel, I fly constantly, I love to fly. I mean, sometimes they're rocky fights and bad fights, and for you're 40 hours and, you know, in the air and on the ground, and, and, and it's tiring and all that. But I love, I'm love i writing, I'm chilling, I'm reading. I'm, I love being on planes. Guys start getting hit. Panic, panic attack? You've got to be kidding me. What? Okay, we've got one more break on the other side of the break. We finish off the message.
0: It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the line of fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown.
1: Thanks for joining us, friends. Michael Brown, your voice, the moral sanity and spiritual clarity. We take you to the conclusion of the September 2019 message, Jezebel's War with America. I mean, I'm on the plane, so I've got to get all this plane. What, what are you i ta- got to get out of this plane. What are you talking about? 30,000 feet in the air, how are you going to get out of this plane? I'm thinking, me? Panic attack? I never talked about this publicly. I felt I just got to do it to help other people get set free. And then listen, listen. It started to hit before I'd speak. I'm sitting there. I can't concentrate on worship at all because I'm getting great. You're going to have a crisis on the stage. You're going to call out. You can't do this. I'd have to fight through, right, literally, right up till when I was being announced, and then when I'd get up, it would lift. This went on for months. And then, last year, I'm ministering, it may have been Detroit, somewhere around there, somewhere up north, I'm ministering, they're having me teach in the morning. On healing, I'm I'm not a healing evangelist, that's not my calling, even when I go to India, I go there mainly to to minister and strengthen the leaders and they do the outreach and all of that. But they asked me to teach on healing, my doctoral dissertation was on the Hebrew word for healing, I was very happy to do it. And as I'm teaching, it's mid-morning, I start feeling lightheaded and it hits me, you're about to faint. Next thing I'm laying on my back, I passed out in the middle of teaching a healing seminar. Last year. And you gotta understand something. I am a mega healthy eater. I was the the, the poster boy for unhealthy eating. I used to have Oreos for breakfast as a boy. In one segment of time when I taught on Long Island next to a fabulous pizzeria, we estimated I had 3,000 slices of pizza in four years. But God changed my life five years ago, and literally for five years, without exception, always, only healthy food. My my blood tests and all, off the charts, and I work out. There I I pass out. My assistants told, call 911. This happened last year. And the pastor, he said he knew everything was all right when he saw me laying on the ground with a big smile on my face. So it's the most ridiculous thing. It took a minute, took a bathroom break, came back out, ministered, everything was fine. And people said, you know, you're teaching on healing and we saw in the Spirit all these darts coming against you. And my wife's like, why you? Why the darts coming against you? But I'm, I'm laughing about it because the thing is so completely ridiculous. It's like, I love, what, what's going to happen? What, am I claustrophobic? Am I having a, pet? where's the claustrophobic? I've got thousands of feet around me and I'm getting attacked. So I, I got with some friends that, you know, they, they prayed and, and they, they, have real insight into, into kind of their soul and what's going on and, and they said, yeah, you know, some trauma years back and it's, it's, like getting triggered. And, and, and I had something happen to me right here in Pensacola in 2002. After having the flu and being out for a week and it was in the midst of, of God dealing with me very deeply in my own life and showing me flesh and bringing me to deeper repentance. I was eating a McDonald's chicken parm sandwich in the old days, driving home in my car 70 miles an hour, Super Bowl Sunday of, of 2002, when the thing gets lodged in my throat, I almost choked to death, I'm found unconscious on the side of the road. This actually happened. Man, I don't know about you, but I live by grace. I, I, I live by the love of God and by the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God. And if He's got my back, I'm going to be all right. If He's for you, who can be against you, come on? Talk about the joy of the Lord being your strength, man. Talk about the joy being the antidote to fear, because fear tells you something bad's going to happen. Fear's always tomorrow, something bad's going to happen. Something bad's going to happen to your kid. Bad going to happen to your man. Something bad's going to happen. You're going to get sick. You're gonna, something bad's going to happen. When you get hit with the joy of the Lord, God's telling you, it's all going to be all right. It's all going to be all right. Thank you, Jesus. So we went back in prayer together. And they said, Mike, does God bring anything back to your mind? It's like, whoa, yes. And I went back over 30 years to a word that was spoken over my wife and I of this terrible, horrific thing that's gonna happen and it's gonna be so ghastly and deadly and, and you're gonna wish your heart would stop beating, but it can't. And we couldn't shake this thing. My wife and I, people in faith, we couldn't shake it. Every time, you know, someone gets sick, that's it, they're gonna die. You couldn't pray for someone in faith Someone in your family gets a symptom, that's it, something's gonna happen. We couldn't shake the thing. And we realized that that was part of the stronghold, this fear thing that gripped us. And I'm not saying you have to psychoanalyze and try to go back to your past. All I'm telling you is I recognize there was somehow a root of fear. As much as it was so far into everything I did in ministry and maybe it got triggered by this or that, I don't know and I don't try to analyze. All I know is that Jesus sets the captive free and that, as we sang before, there is no fear in love. And perfect love casts out fear. I want you to stand to your feet with me. Friends, America is an issue of concern. but America is not my focus now. You are, individuals and everyone watching. You are, you are, each of you. And ministry team, why don't you come up so you can be ready. Some of you have been held captive by fear. Whether it directly relates to Jezebel or not, all I know is months ago God showed me doing this. You you are a shell of who you used to be in God. Whether it's that you you got captive to sexual sin. Whether it's that fear gripped you. You used to step out, you used to believe God, you used to be bold. You had disappointment, you had failure. Maybe brokenness in your own life and you're a shell of who you used to be and some of you are afraid to step out because that thing hangs over you. If I do, what about this? If I do, what about that? We're gonna break that spirit of fear in Jesus' name. We are gonna proclaim that Jezebel must bow the knee and confess that Jesus is Lord. And something I've learned, this has become one of the great strengths of my life. Because I was always one of these achievers. Took six different languages in high school. When I was saved year, memorizing 20 verses a day. Crazy travel schedules that would wear anybody out. Just crazy, insane. I uh, bring it on, bring on more, bring on more. And God made clear: don't trust in yourself, man. That's only so much you can do. Instead. God says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Not our sin, but our weakness. So I glory in the fact, friends, I am in over my head all the time. I'm taking on demonic strongholds that are billions of times stronger than me in the natural. And the more impossible it is, the more excited I get. The more psyched I get. The more blessed I get. My staff sends me sends me every, the worst attack, the worst website, the worst, everything attacking me, to encourage me that we're doing the right thing. But that's because I put no strength, no confidence, no faith in Mike Brown, but 100% faith, confidence in the risen Lord Jesus. And he's here to set captives free today. Father, in the name of Jesus, as your people, as your sons and daughters we proclaim that jesus is lord that every knee must bow to him every tongue must confess to him that his name is higher than every other and by the name and authority of jesus we cast out fear we cast out lies we proclaim freedom 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 hope joy, life, love, freedom! And we proclaim in Jesus' name that Jezebel is defeated and that her stronghold of America will be broken! All right, friends, that is the end of the message. We had a a massive altar call with people coming to the front, crying out to God together a great time of prayer. In fact, I then went to the book table for folks that wanted to get the books after the service was over and started signing books. And there was a long line of people who really wanted to get the book and were really edified by it. Of course, you can get it online or at our website, Jezebel's War with America. And the book had just taken off the first month, the first week, the first printing sold out. Publisher said the first month, it sold what they expected to sell in the first year. So it seemed to really impact. It seemed to really hit home and resonate. But I started signing books, and the line continued through lunch. And then the meetings resumed in the afternoon, and the line continued. And about three and a quarter hours later, I was finished. What a privilege. What an honor. The longest book signing I ever did in my life. But what an incredible privilege and honor. I, I pray that this message stirred something in you. I I pray that the courage will rise afresh. I pray that faith will rise afresh. I pray for those of you who've been beaten down, who've been spiritually emasculated, who've lost your faith, your courage, your authority, God would stir something afresh. Jesus has overcome Satan. By his death and resurrection, Jesus has overcome Satan, and we are in Jesus. We are in him, and therefore in him we overcome. May the spirit of the overcomer rise up in you. All right, friends, back with you live tomorrow after my trip to Poland. May the grace and favor of the Lord be yours in massive, massive abundance.